Hello and welcome to Habemus Papam, episode 185, John the 21st. So today's Pope is unique. He was born João Pedro Julião in Lisbon, Portugal, sometime between 1210 and 1220. And if I'm having a hard time pronouncing French and Italian, you're going to better believe I'm, I have a hard time pronouncing Portuguese. Now, he was the son of, we believe, a prosperous Portuguese doctor, which makes him our only Portuguese Pope. There's a decent amount of controversy about Pedro Julião's early life. It's believed he studied at Paris and could have studied medicine as well afterwards. Some papal biographies have it as certain that he was a great physician and that he had written several medical treaties, but there isn't firm evidence that a physician and a churchman are the same person. His name is relatively common and some of those dots don't seem to connect. He seems to have taught in Lisbon, but we're not sure of it. But we do have records of a couple of disputes that he took part in over various appointments which were settled by the Holy See. But the next that we see him is as a member of the papal curia in Rome. The story goes that if indeed he was a doctor, he got an introduction to Ottobone Fieschi, the future Pope Adrian V. We are certain that he lived in Cardinal Fieschi's household and served him for some time, but we aren't sure if it was in a medical capacity. The story continues that Cardinal Fieschi introduced him to Pope Gregory X, who made him his personal doctor in the 1270s. In May of 1272, he was elected the Archbishop of Braga back in Portugal by the cathedral chapter, and that was for the time he was still in Rome. He doesn't seem to have returned to Portugal, however. He seems to have kept the title Archbishop-elect of Braga, and we see in the list of bishops invited to the Second Council of Leona Bishop with that title and nothing else. But on June 3, 1273, Pope Gregory X ordained him the Cardinal Bishop of Tusculum, and from here on we have a pretty good idea of his history. He attended the Second Council of Lyon as a cardinal and some diplomatic missions and participated in... <sighs> he attended the Second Council of Lyon as a cardinal, and he had some diplomatic missions and even participated in the two conclaves in 1276, which elected Innocent V and... Um, Adrian V, his former superior. And if you remember from last time, just before Adrian V died, he suspended Gregory X's decree on papal conclaves, but died before he had the chance to replace them with something else. So instead of meaning directly as the documents would have had them do, the cardinals waited. If you remember, the reason for Gregory X's decree was that the conclave that elected him was so long and tumultuous and only ended with the people of Viterbo locked the cardinals in a building and then tore the roof off to force them to choose someone. The conclave again would be in Viterbo, and apparently the people were riled up again that it wouldn't be until September that the conclave met. There is only one source that I read which said that the conclave first elected a Cardinal Vice Domino de Vici Dominis, who was the nephew of Pope Gregory X, and that he took the name Gregory XI in honor of his uncle. But then he seems to have died September 6th before the election could be publicized. Now, I haven't seen this story many other places, and he isn't listed on the list of popes. Most sources say that on September 8th, the first day of balloting for the official conclave, Cardinal Pedro Juliao was elected pope. He took the name John the 21st. Now, this is an interesting story here, because you will notice, if you've listened carefully, we haven't had a John the 20th yet. Now, that's because there was a mistake. Now, you may remember that the episode about John the 14th, which was episode 136, noted that the Liber Pontificalis had John the Fourteenth listed twice, once for the time when he was Pope, and once for the time he spent in captivity at the end of his papacy. Well, it seems like someone construed this to mean that there were two Pope John the Fourteenths, in which case all the numbering is off. 
the second John the 14th should have been John the 15th, and then John the 15th should have been John the 16th, and so forth. So Cardinal Giuliano thought to himself, let's fix this problem. And so he took the name John the 21st instead of John the 20th, because technically John the 19th would have been John the 20th. Except it's all based on a mistake. There is only one John the 14th. And so we skip completely John the 20th altogether. There is no Pope nor any anti-Pope that was ever named John the 20th. Now, the first thing on the docket was to fix papal elections. So he officially ratified Adrian V's suspension of the procedures of Gregory X. And then he began to work on how to reform the process. He also began again the process begun at the Second Council of Lyon of reunifying the Orthodox and Roman churches. He sent legates to Constantinople to effect this unification, which at first seems successful, but as we will see, will fall apart eventually. As part of this desire for union, the Pope preached a crusade against the Turks, both to take the pressure off the fragile Byzantine Empire in Constantinople and to continue the work of freeing the Holy Land. Now, another part of facilitating this union was to try and hold back the Sicilian king, Charles of Anjou, who really wanted to attack and conquer Constantinople for himself. In 1277, the Pope heard about certain doctrines that were being taught in Paris that concerned him. He sent a papal bull to Paris uh, to have the Archbishop of Paris address these concerns. And this brought about the famous condemnations by Bishop Stephen Tempierre of 1277. I guess they're famous in certain theological circles, but at the time they were a big deal, and some of which condemned what was seen to be an over-Aristotelianization of scholastic thought. In other words, more conservative thinkers like the bishop and the pope, who were deeply rooted in the works of St. Augustine, were trying to tamp down on scholars who were caught up in the new fad of Aristotle. Now, most of this seems to have been directed at scholars who were following the commentator Averroes, who was a Muslim commentator, whose works were brought to the West, and Aristotle's works came with him in his kind of vision. But some of even St. Thomas Aquinas's propositions were condemned as well. It doesn't seem that the Pope wanted to censor particular ideas. Rather, he was operating out of a general concern for the university, and it was the Bishop of Paris that chose the particular themes to be condemned. Now, the Pope's papacy was brief. And before he could fix papal elections on May 14th, 1277, the roof of his study in Viterbo collapsed on him. He survived and was pulled out of the stone and wood rubble that had fallen on him, but he was a broken man. He died of his injuries six days later on May 20th, 1277, and he was succeeded after another controversial conclave by Pope Nicholas III, and we'll talk about him next time. Thanks for listening to Habemus Papam. You can check out the rest of the Catholic Bites podcast at catholicbitespodcast.com or find us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you and God bless you.